Let's let's get going. Who is Apostle Tangi K. Combs? Wow, who is she? Who I is tell you, she? she is someone who is continuing to evolve, continuing to grow. I'm in an exciting place and an exciting time because I'm watching my own growth. And it's something about being able to know where you've come from and where you're standing right now. And to be, that, that's just an exciting time, an exciting place to be. I come to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I have not lived home since I was 18 years old. Um, and we're not gonna talk about how old I am right now, so it's been quite some time. But all of my family is from there and from uh, Los Angeles, California. Um, I'm the sixth of seven children. And um, we just love being in New Orleans. You know, we live to eat in New Orleans. We love people. We love all people, all kinds of people in the city. And so um, the Lord really, when I was 21 years old, I had a radical, radical encounter with the Lord Jesus that changed my entire life. I did not grow up in the church. We did not go to church as, as children um, or as, uh, you know, as a family. I went to church maybe once or twice with an aunt. Um, but when I was 16 years old, I had received the Lord by my mother. Let me, let me back up just a little bit. My mother passed away when I was 16 years old. I left a huge hole in my heart. Um, and then aunt picked me up and went to church and I lived with her for some time, but it wasn't until I was 21 years old when I was radically, radically saved. Wow. Um, and so from that point on, it's just golden. That's great. That's great. So that means your mother, she really um, must have left a legacy for you or some amazing blueprints for you to become the amazing woman that you are. Oh, she was, she was amazing. Um, in the fact that she and my father had seven children and she did not miss a beat. Um, she was uh, a part of her community. She worked very diligently in the community. She was a nurse um, as well. So she was a caretaker and she was, uh, she also understood the importance of working in the community. And that is where I got my love uh, for the community from. Um, it just broadens who you are. It broadens your horizons. She taught us, um, you know, not to stay within the niche that was created for you. You need to make your own. And so that is exactly what I did. And, you know, when you're 16 and you lose your mom, you know, there's a lot that you don't know about her. But when you begin to grow up, you start to receive some things and recognize some things about yourself when you must say, you know what? This has to come from somewhere. And there are things that you remember and then you realize, you know, she's made quite an impact. That's great. I, that is great to know. And kudos to your mom being a nurse. Why being nurses, we have a fitting for you to be having this interview during this week to celebrate yes. her. Yes, we come from a family of nurses. My mother was a nurse. My brother's a nurse. My sister is a nurse. Um, I have another sister who's a respiratory therapist, and I have cousins who are nurses as well. So blessings to all of them. That's great. Yes, we, we, we have much prayers for y'all daily. So now that you were 16 and you moved along, tell us about this journey to Japan that I read about in your bio. Well, when I was 18 years old, I married a high school sweetheart. 
and uh, he joined the Navy. And when he joined the Navy, um, our first duty station uh, overseas was Sasebo, Japan. And um, being a woman of faith and being, uh, being in the church, you look back on things like that and know that the Lord's hand was with you even then. And the Lord made it to where we went overseas. And that's when my life, truly as, um, as a believer, I went from just um, knowing about Christ to really knowing him and having a strong relationship um, with him when I was overseas on this foreign land. It's a beautiful land. The Japanese people are beautiful. If you want to learn about service at all and how they serve with such grace wow. and humility, when you go over to Japan, you will learn so much from these, uh, these beautifully graced people. Wow, that's amazing. So how long um, you all were married while he was in the Navy? We were married for 20 years. We had a 20-year uh, marriage, and we, we went all over the country. And Atasabo um, is where we, we spent most of our time overseas. We did go to places like Singapore and uh, Guam and Hawaii and things of that nature. But Sasebo was really a foundational place. And let me say this about, about our, our life and ministry. And we were married for 20 years. And I know we'll get into the divorcing part, which mm -hmm. was very devastating for myself. And we had two daughters at the time. Really devastating for us. But this is what I know about our faith. And this is what I know about God that he will use whatever vehicle is available to get you to a place that has purpose and destiny on it. He, he, he worries about our lives. The Lord loves our lives. He wants our lives to be blessed. But what he looks for a lot is if you're going to fulfill the destiny and fulfill the purpose that he placed you on this earth to do. That's good. That's good. So, through the 20 years, you all had two daughters. And so what happened? What so, happened? you know, you when especially a woman, we'll talk about women since this is, <laughs> this, this is women's time. Right? Yeah, transformational, transformational women. women. Yes, transformational women. You cannot transform or help in the transforming process of another person if you have not first been transformed. Yes. And oftentimes the things that transform us is the things that we go through that are not the greatest in our lives, that bring us so much heartache and turmoil. That's when you begin to really transform into who you are. So during this 20 year um, marriage, we, we never really fit. Mm. I loved my husband and he loved me as best as he could um, with what he knew and what he had. But there was something in me that was always reaching for more. Mm. I could not just accept uh, what was thrown at me, what was given to me. I knew that there was something more. And what gave me that advantage was my faith. That's good. Gave me the advantage. The word of the Lord gave me the advantage to know that there was something more than what I was facing out there. Most of the time we get into these situations and circumstances and we stay stuck because we think this is it. This must be uh, my portion. But there is a greater 
greater place for you to be able to come alive when you just begin to pull the strings on what's happening in your life at this moment. It's just the smoke screen and you have to begin to move the screen to find out what's really happening. And so in the marriage, there was infidelity um, on a consistent basis. Um, there was mental abuse. There was emotional abuse and it took a toll. You know, it, it's something about, it, it says something about when you're taught a long time ago that you have to stick with a thing mm -hmm. regardless to what is happening you must stick with it and somehow we have said that then you get a badge of faith or a badge of honor for staying so long but what i found out was that that was not the will of the lord for our lives in any situation you must seek him for every situation every single time and I found that out later, but I decided to stay the full 20 years and it cost me dearly. There's a price that you pay when you stay in a place, in a relationship. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a marriage. It could be a business relationship. It could be a toxic relationship of some sort, maybe in the workplace that you decide somewhere along the way you have decided that this was a good place to stay. And once you realize that you have settled for that thing, there is a price to pay when you do decide to come out. Now, let's be clear. Now, the handsome gentleman behind Apostle Tangent on that poster, this is not the husband she's referring to. This Absolutely is, not. This <laughs> is the new husband. So let's be clear. We is not going to put Apostle Daniel under the bus. This is not who she's talking about. <laughs> no. Let's, let's make that clear. <laughs> yes. So when you realize it was time to, your, to make that exit strategy, you know, I know it took a toll, not just on you, but your daughters. What was the final, what was the last draw? What clicked that you say, okay, it's time to go? The last straw was, it was 10 years prior into the marriage when there was a, just a devastating blow of, of adultery uh, and infidelity, especially with a wife. Some of you may know, you know, may understand this and husbands too, that were faithful and you did everything, you put everything into it to make sure it worked and it still went the way that it did and in, infidelity and it, it bruised everything about me. It bruised my, uh, my, my heart, it bruised my mind, it bruised my spirit. And so I remember coming out of that 10 years saying, you know what, I'm going to forgive you. Let's try to build uh, the marriage. Let's try to continue to go on. And at this time I was saved. I was walking with the Lord. And um, so fast forward 10 years, I started to see the same pattern that I'd seen 10 years prior. And I made a commitment to myself 10 years prior and I said, if this ever happens again, this is not something that I'm willing to walk through a second time. And so when I began to see the patterns again, because there are patterns. And when I began to see it, I had decided this is not something that I'm going to walk through again. That's good. So you paid attention to the red flags. You must. You did not ignore them. And that moment, that sounds like transformational, a transformational moment. 
It does. And those, those are the things that, listen, we had it all. We had the house, we had the vehicles, uh, we had the money, we had the status, we had it all. So to be able to make a decision and say, I didn't just make a decision and say, you know what, I don't want this marriage. I made a decision to say, my freedom is more important than everything that is attached to this marriage as well. That's good. It's more important. That's good. So those beautiful daughters of yours, how are they? What? How are they doing now? What they? How do they adjust with the transition? And, and what are they doing now at this moment? No, divorce is hard. Even when your children are, they were they were young teenagers at the time, and so now they're grown women. And sometimes you can still see the effects of of these things because their parents were married for but for so long but now they're in college um they're working you know they're working towards their degree i have a grandson uh, for my second daughter just absolutely beautiful just love him so much and so you're watching the hand of the lord let me let me say this too Throughout this entire ordeal, the Lord has always spoken truth to me. There were times that I didn't want to hear the truth about what he was saying about this messed up marriage, about what he was saying about this unhealthy relationship. But when I did begin to listen, there were promises that were on the heads of my children and on my lineage that I still see the hand of God upon them now. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. That's why it's important, even as women, we, we have a prayer life for a reason. We have to yes. pray for a reason, not just for our sake, but for the children that we bear, the children that we're accountable for. Yes. And your girls are so beautiful. I've met all of them and haven't met the grandbaby yet, but I know he is just as handsome as well. They are so awesome. I love so, them. So let's talk about the tangible effect. What sure. is that? What's tangible effect? So several years ago, I'm going to say about seven years ago, the Lord began to speak to me because uh, a portion of my ministry and what I'm called to do is to women. Mm -hmm. It is to um, make an impact. It is to be a voice for and an advocate for the broken is what the tangible effect um, is. And we minister to women of all shapes and sizes. I have watched the Lord's anointing on my life to minister to women of all faiths. Because it's something about the word that is alive, that gives life, it quickens life to everybody that is around you. And so whether they know your God or not, they feel something happen. And so I was 20, uh, I was about 24 years old when I preached my first sermon in Sasebo, Japan. And it was to a room filled with women of different faiths. There was Catholic, there was Baptist, there was Methodist, there was charismatic. I mean, you name it. Every type of woman was there. And the message that I was given, it was called a woman of potential. And I began to preach that sermon. I was so afraid because this was my very first time. And at the end of that message, I asked if there was anyone who wanted prayer. And the whole room got up except two people for prayer. The entire room. And that's when I knew there's something with me and these women that the Lord is doing. So I continued on ministering the word of the Lord to women 
and uh, they began to uh, transform. And when you transform a woman, you transform her family. Wow, that's how husbands and children begin to transform as well, especially when you're in a society that does not necessarily receive women or have believed that women are not to hold leadership positions. I um, did not have the privilege uh, when I was first saved to go into certain places that believe that way. So I didn't know about that lifestyle. I didn't know, hey, I wasn't supposed to preach. I wasn't supposed to lead. I didn't know any of that. And the Lord did that on purpose because <laughs> I had an assignment that I needed to release. And once I saw the effects of that assignment, I would continue to go on regardless of the challenges that I received. That's good. So you didn't conform to the traditionalism. You went with the Paul, with Apostle Paul, with the... Um, with open heart, open mindedness, you know, let everyone lead at every level. Absolutely. That, that's what it sounds like. So Absolutely. your first sermon in 24, at the age of 24, were you still married to your first husband? I was. Okay. I was. It's very important for you to, I want, you, I want them to hear this piece, both male and female, that when you have purpose and destiny on your life, there is nothing that can stop that except you. Not a bad marriage, not somebody who does not agree with you, not somebody who does not like you. No one can stop what you're called to do except for you. And so my, my love for the Lord was greater than my love for my husband. Wow. And, and, and in, our, in the word, it talks about how we are supposed to be. It's supposed to be God first, mm -hmm. then our spouses, then our children. And if you have ministry that is out of order in that way, you will not see the fullness of what it is that you're, you're called to do. That's and so I may have paid a price um, on, on the side, you know, where my husband was concerned but the Lord restored. And you always want the restorer in your corner because if you have a restorer in your corner, anything you lose, he'll mm. restore back. But if you have, if you're in the corner where you're just trying to maintain a relationship or you're trying to maintain a love, you can never recover from the brokenness. You can never gain what it is that you're called to do. Always, you always want the restorer in your corner. That's good. That's good. Let's talk a little bit about the, so restorer sounds like me. It sounds like almost on the lines of hope and faith. Yes. It's to have that restore in your corner. But what happens when you waiting and you looking for that restoration and it never comes? You know, there are just times when you know, we've, we've heard this before that we were in societies, microwave societies, and, you know, our mothers and fathers, you know, they had stoves. You had to turn the stove on to warm up an entire dish. And, but there's a, there was a method to that. There was a, there was a way that this, this food would warm through thoroughly. They would talk about, let it warm all the way through, because sometimes you can put things in a microwave and it'll be cooked or warm on the outside, but the center will still be cold mm. or uncooked. And so there are times when, when we are in a place and in a position when we don't see uh, what we are believing for, 
what we're hoping for. That hope is put off a little bit. It's deferred. It's backed up a little bit. What begins to happen is that um, our heart will begin to faint. We'll grow faint. We'll grow weary and we'll grow tired. And that is part of the process. Not every one of us is going to get everything um, all at once. There is a method to this walk. And I have found that when something has not come when it needed to come, there were certain things that were undeveloped in me. Mm. It, was un, it was an undevelopment because anytime the Lord is calling you to a thing, he is wanting you to be prepared to be able to hold that thing, to steward it well. And we're not able to steward it if we're not fully prepared in the process. Process is truly a blessing. It is very difficult. Uh, but once we embrace it, we embrace that there's a reason that this process is happening. And it's not because God hates me, but it is because he wants you to be the, in the most excellent way. Wow. So in, so in other words, we have to always keep learning. We have to always keep evolving. And sometimes the learning and the evolving in the education will not come from familiar platforms. It will not. It will not. As a, and, and if it does continue to come from familiar platforms, I want to challenge you um, to get outside of your norm. There are only things that you're going to learn in a familiar place. You'll keep learning the same things over and over and over again. You'll have the knowledge of it, but you'll never produce a fullness. You'll just have the knowledge. But if you begin to get outside of the familiar, you'll begin to see that there's a life on the other side. There's a piece of a, a thing that you're missing is outside of what you're familiar with. Can it be scary? Yes, it can. It can be scary to, of the unknown. But when you begin to hear a sound that is not familiar, but it is registering with you, you might want to answer that call. Oh, wow. Um, so with this current pandemic that we're in, how can they move from the unfamiliar place and be able to still hear that call, that sound that you're referencing? Wow. You know, this, this pandemic has called. There has not been one like this for a long time. Um, it caused the entire world to be locked inside of their homes. Mm -hmm. Not the United States, not just Britain, not just certain places, the entire world to be locked away inside of their homes where you had to begin to learn to do things in a different manner. Here's what I find though. There's always, um, alerts that come before the actual thing happens. There's something that says, hey, we need you to start getting online. Hey, we need you to look at this popping up. Hey, there's some Facebook lives. There's some things that start to wave at you. Before a major move happens, we have a pandemic and now you don't know what to do. Here's what you do. You don't go back to the old. You begin to align with places that are not like you. You begin to step into atmospheres that are unfamiliar to you because they have what you need. 
where where we before we were calling things evil we were called we were telling people to stay away from that social media stay away from those platforms this is not what is uh this is this portion is not for us but then you find yourself behind the curve align with people that you have never aligned with that have what it is that you need so how do what do you have to say for churches to help them with this transition who do not use or feel that same way about social media in general so you have you have grandchildren you have children you have people that around you that use this platform every day we did a um i went to a seminar uh, last year, and a portion of that seminar talked about the different um, generations. Oh, and it was so good. He just talked about the Generation X, and he talked about Millennials, and he talked about the Gen Zers, and he said something that was very clear because I have a seven-year-old daughter right now, and when she was born, she was able to use an iPad Four months old, she knew how to swipe an iPad without me ever teaching her. And when I was in the seminar, he says, listen, they will only know of a device, a phone that has video on it. They will never know what a phone is like to not have video, to be able to call mom or to call dad and talk to them through the phone. It changed the way I thought about the generations where we would, we would want to take these devices from them. We want to move them to the side. It was built within them. My daughter came out of the womb with this technology built in her, which lets us know it is time to connect with the younger generation who this technology is built within to help you learn how to forge ahead. You can do it. You can learn it. You're still here on this earth. It is for you to learn. That's awesome. That is so awesome. So I noticed that um, out of all that you've done, so when did you met, met and married your second husband? That oh, tall, man. handsome young man back down there poster. Oh, you're talking about Daniel Combs. Oh, yes, Daniel Combs. <laughs> so let me say this about marriage. And, and I've talked to you about, you know, going through uh, what I went through in my first marriage of 20 years, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, physically sick for uh, a long time, just um, suicidal. Um, there was so much that went on with, with that adultery, it's, it, it comes to kill. I will tell you that. It comes to steal and it comes to destroy. But during that time, the Lord began to give me words of truth. Truth about who I was, truth about who he created me to be, truth about what he called me to do. And I had to, it was hard because I was so used to being in an abused place that when the Lord began to speak truths to me, I had to stop and receive them. I had to stop and reconcile that this was the truth that was over my life. 
And when I began to do that, I found that I began to heal. I began to heal from uh, the abuse and the brokenness, even before the, the marriage. I began, even within that marriage, I began to heal from some things. But after the marriage, I began to heal more so. And I began to receive the truth that the Father had for me. And when I did that, I do not believe that Daniel would have come along had I not received those truths about who I was, what I was called to do, because I needed a certain husband. And that certain husband would be the one that was going to walk with me in a kingdom walk. He was not going to challenge my authority. He was not going to, um, to uh, be afraid or insecure of my leadership uh, call and what was on my life. And I had to accept and heal first before this gift of a man could come in by my side and say, I have you. I support you. 100%. That's beautiful. I, I brought him up because I want to talk about C2 Square Ministries, but it's the ministry that you and him launched together. And yes. I wanted everybody to know that the journey you had to go through where you had to heal first and you had to have a self-awareness first to make sure you're over that pat, that first marriage and, or, and empty your heart and your mind before you can receive the true help me that was, a, was destined for you. Yes. So I want to talk about how did he approach you? Because all of us have these amazing stories, how we met our mate. I know I have one. But how did Daniel approach you? How did you know he was the one? You know, and as people of faith, we have many, uh, there's many elements to our faith right and so we have a gift i have a gift of dreams mm -hmm. and um and i had a dream one night of of a man um that i did not know and it was in a it was in a future time and it was a you know a future setting but i had no idea who this man was and i had my little girl who's seven years old you know i had no idea who these this little girl was but i knew that they belonged to me and so um one night in december uh, I was working with a nonprofit organization and we were putting on a gala and, um, and he was there and he was fidgeting with the screens and all of those things. And, um, and the lady that I was working with, she was saying, Hey, I want you to meet this, this person named Daniel at the time, anybody who puts on major events, know when it gets close to that event, you're not thinking about anything. Uh, okay, whoever he is, that's is great and wonderful. Let us move on. And so that day we, we were introduced to one another and, um, and he asked me, how could he help me if he could help me with anything? And of course I'm like, yeah, you know, this is what I need done. Well, before I could get to C, he was already at A oh, and he made my life so easy that night. Um, and that's what impressed me. I, there was, it wasn't love at first sight. It was just like, hmm, I don't know men who do this very well, who can, who can take orders, who can do you know, what, what this lady says to do without any issue, no harm, no foul. And, um, and so he made my life much easier that night. And so it wasn't until probably a month or so later that um, he sent me a message on Facebook, you know, uh, asking for my information 
And so that is where it started um, from there. But what was really awesome is that that same evening, he was asked to do some of uh, the uh, programs. He was asked to do programs for the gala. And he says, my name stood out. Just, he didn't know who I was, but that this name stood out. And he was just like, okay, I'll just, I'll keep a lookout for whoever this name is. And that night he met me and, um, and he knew, he knew right away that night, there were people that I knew at that gala and had been knowing for a year at that point in time. And they were asking me, you never told us that you were bringing your husband. Oh, wow. Straight faced. And I'm like, you know that I'm not married. You're going to stop that. Cause I don't know <laughs> his first name. <laughs> we were wow. We are inseparable from them. Wow. That's good. So from there, and um, and I was excited when I heard that you all was getting engaged and married. I was I was so excited, and I saw the news, and I saw the glow on your face. And I've attended some events that you hosted, and you are very right. He's very suitable, man of valor. He flowed with you, you know, just made sure everything ran smoothly. So I can yeah. contest to his mannerism. Oh yes. So, so when. I understand C2 Squares Ministries was birthed. Where did, where, 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 where did that come from? West Square <laughs> Ministries, where did that, where, how did that come from? You being married for 20 years, then divorced, and then going through the mental struggles, dealing with yourself, you know, trying to align with what your call is on your life, doing all those different transitions, and then you birthed, you both birthed C-squared ministries. So what happened there was, and it was, it was easy to say the least, that C-squared is Combs squared. It's Combs times two. And part of our ministry is that we train and equip the body of Christ, the five-fold ministry, to understand particularly the apostolic we are an apostolic couple. What is an apostolic couple? An apostolic couple is like a Priscilla and Aquila. We are an equal couple. He is a teacher dynamic. He has media, is, a, is what his call is. Mine is mostly vocal. I've, I speak and I minister um, vocally. And we come to a place where we are cones times two. And we raise Christ to the second power. We know what it is to raise it to, a, to another power, to a higher place and a broader place. And C-squared ministries was birthed from there, where we would teach people and teach couples and teach those who are in leadership how to lead from your call and not necessarily your gender. Mm. That's a sermon right there. That's real good. So in doing this, um, do y'all ever run into conflicts? You know, being a couple, you, you're married all the time. So you have your personal your personable selves and then you all have this apostolic call how do you balance the two you balance the two because you are meant to be together <laughs> you're meant to be together and there is a mutual respect and a mutual honor daniel is my husband but daniel is also my brother He's also a man of god and i respect him because christ died for him that's my highest honor 
for him. That's higher even than a husband. And he does the same for me as his wife. And so there'll be times when he's like, hey, I'm not sure if I agree with that. That's fine. I'll give you time to hear. I'll give you time to hear what it is that we need to do so that we can move forward. And it's the same thing with me. I'll be like, I'm not sure about that. It's fine. He'll give me time to hear what we have to do so that we can move forward. And that is what we do. We, we don't struggle as much because we understand that mutual respect and mutual honor for one another. That's a blessing. That's amazing. It really is. So what are you doing in the community there in Melbourne? So right now we are, I, I'm actually working with a company called Love Inc., and, um, and so what I do now is uh, I have what we call a gap. I'm a gap coordinator. What is a gap coordinator? We, we literally fill gaps. We find them and fill them in the community. So that if there is a place on the south side of town that um, there is a shortage of diapers uh, that's needed, we have 48 partner churches that we will call around town and say, hey, we need diapers. They will donate the diapers to us. We will help this a church or an organization set up this baby gap, this gap where there are diapers needed. And they literally don't have to pay a dime because the other partners around them will fund them, will give them what's needed so that they can reach their community themselves. And so that's what I do on a small scale, and it's also what I do on a large scale. We find gaps in the communities and we meet them. So is that as a strategy or um, a mechanism that any church or any um, that's connected to a community, can they duplicate that? Or can they partner with Love Inc. and um, Melbourne with you to launch such a program in their area? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Love Inc. is uh, national and international. We have seven affiliates now in Nairobi, Kenya, and we're all over the United States. It is... Um, you can choose to do the way Love Inc. does, or you can build a community yourself. Here's what I found that's happening in our community. We have decided that we could not um, afford the pressure that was being placed on the pastor's necks and on the pastor's backs. We were, they were losing their lives. Uh, they were losing their minds. They were losing their families because the stress of that is just too much. It was never supposed to be upon one portion of a fivefold. That's why there's five fingers on a hand and not just one. There's strength when we can grab one another. And so what began to happen is that the fivefold began to the five gifts that we were given began to come into alignment with one another. And the finger said, you know, the pointer finger said, I'm gonna help the thumb and I'm gonna help the, the, the small finger and we're gonna do this together. If you find people that are willing to align with you in your community, you can make a greater impact than what your church can do on its own. That's good, that's real good. Oh. As we know, we all from years have gone and sustained and dealing with silos. And it doesn't just exist in the corporate America 
or in no. the business world and entrepreneurship. It's also in the faith-based organizations and the nonprofits because they see themselves, they want to be the go-to person for your faith needs, the go-to person for your community needs. But since this pandemic, we it's time for them to transform. Yes. So what will be the first step in them doing that transformation? Will it start with the leaders or does it start with the lay members? You know, we, it would be great if it started with leaders. It would be great if we started with leaders and the leaders took uh, the reins and said, I'm going to go next door and see how this church is doing. I'm going to go over here to this, uh, this organization, this nonprofit, and I'm going to see what it is that they do and how can we get involved with what you are doing so that we can strengthen the community in which we live. If, you're, if your leader is not in that position, the layperson most definitely can do the same. See, all of us, you, there, there may be a place that you attend that may not have the same um, mindset that you have, but you know you're called to this place. That's great. But you should be able to walk out of that place Monday through Friday and do what you are called to do. So if you're called to open up a food pantry, you can go straight to a nonprofit yourself. You can go straight to another church yourself and say, how can I get involved with what you are doing so that we can make an impact for our community? This is called proper alignment. This is called aligning with one another. I know we like to talk about coverings and we like to talk about this place of submission and this place of somebody, you know, covering over you, but there is really and truly more strength in aligning with different places so that you can make an impact than it is to have one place just over your head. I totally agree. I totally agree. So this has been the Hope Hour Convo with Apostle Tangent K. Combs of C-Squared Ministries. Combs time to look at it. And she has given her, share her story, her journey, what she does in community, family, what she does in ministry, gave us some amazing nuggets for our faith and community leaders to be able to transform during this pandemic time. So Apostle Tangent, if they want to reach out to you or want to have you and your husband to come speak, how do they reach you? Where do they find you? So I'm going to put my, um, put this in the chat, but it is www.c2ministries.org is how you can reach us, how you can reach out to us. Um, We also have a prayer network here that I work with in Satellite Beach. We will pray for you. We will cover you. We will bless you. We will counsel you. So that is at c2ministries.org. I'm going to put that in the chat and you are welcome to reach out and we will partner with you to see what your need is and how to get you transformed to do what God has called you to do. That's amazing. That is amazing. I, um, Don't see too many questions, but I'm quite sure that we covered a lot. I didn't want to miss too much, but I wanted to make sure that we having the conversation that's needed in this hour. 
So for those individuals, Pastor Tan, the last question, who don't have a belief, who don't have no faith, or who have lost faith, or who have worked with community organizations and they have been broken, they have been offended, they have been denied help. What do you say to those individuals? I say that this is a unique time for you and that this may have been a, a past place and you may, may even be in this place presently, but there is a time right now that your eyes are getting ready to see new vision that I believe that there is a, um, a, a circle of people that are getting ready to come around you, people that you have never heard of before. You never thought you would be involved with this group of people. And they're going to begin to speak life to you like you have never had it done before. This is a very unique time that we are in, in that our eyes, our vision is being renewed your vision is being renewed. We want to tell you to hold on because the Lord is bringing to you what you need, exactly what you need. Begin to look again. We want you to look again. And this time you're going to see with new eyes and you're going to see with new vision because through this broadcast, even now, your vision was being adjusted. You had vision adjustments and I believe that you'll begin to see with new eyes. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you have been heard. You have heard from the one and the only Apostle Tanja K. Combs of C2 Squares Ministries of Melbourne, Florida. You can reach her at c2ministries.com. Or whatever you do, reach out. We want to make sure you have hope in this hour. We have amazing other speakers lined up for the rest of this month. But we want to impact. We want to empower. We want to, we want to force you to think differently in this season. Sometimes we need that push. Sometimes, like Apostle Tanja say, you got to realize the answers that's, that you need to address from the challenges that you had to go through, the transitions that you were being taken through and not understanding why. So I hope tonight that you have gotten clarity, you have received answers, and we want you to reach out to Apostle Tanja K. Combs and her husband, Apostle Daniel Combs, for not just personal, for your church, even if you don't know what to say. She is a prayer warrior. Trust me. I know for myself from personal experience and she will be that advocate to help you make the right decisions, meet the right people at the right time in the right place. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Tangent, for I'm going to give you the final thoughts and the final words to the, um, the, everyone that's listening and watching. What is the last words of Hope, hope Hour conversations you want to give them? We are better together. You do not have to do this thing alone. We will stand with you and we will watch the victory and the triumph over your life happen. This is a new season. It's a new time and we want you to win. Thank everyone for listening and joining. And this is your host, Teresa W. Gamble, the Startup Grind Chapter Director in Jacksonville, Florida. Also the founder and CEO of CRPC Consultant. Stay connected, stay home, stay safe, and stay well. 
thank you so much, Apostle. Have You're an so evening. welcome. Thank you. Have a good evening. You too.